Okay, we're off the air. Sweet, yeah. It's really interesting. I hadn't thought of this momentum thing before. That's why I sounded so surprised while I was talking about it. And I realized that this is a pretty good description of, of one of those problems that I hadn't really gotten to. It was a very good point you made, and as I thought about it as you were talking, I was like, yeah, that's actually, that was a big part of why MAG worked the way it did, was the wrecking ball on both sides. It was it made the, the fights very chaotic, but it also kind of allowed the, the game mode to progress properly. Yeah, I mean, it, it meant that, like I said, you couldn't just, if you threw eight people at a, at a problem, something happened, right? It wasn't always successful. Um, and there were times where you threw eight people at a problem on particular maps and they just totally died, right? Like they got, you know, blown up really fast or spotted at an inopportune time or something like that. And they just died. But it, it meant that like kind of, what it means is that the, the cost of having a spawn point that's not in like, you know, the optimal position is slightly mitigated, right? So your kind of average time to battle um, after dying is, is lower in, in the kind of expectation because you, a certain amount of time, you expect to get resurrected, right? Um, though the thing that I decided not to really broach because it's very dust specific, but um, it had to do with dust balance is the, the tickets, like the, the clone count actually was another big element of this. Because even if you did all these things real well that we mentioned, where you have like good symmetric or asymmetric maps, that uh, game design that allows you to maintain momentum, spawn points that you can move around and maybe not move around and capture and provide consistent spawning, um, you could have all of this, and uh, the clone count would still make it really difficult to play the game. Because what I personally really started to notice, and this is something uh, Zarya, who isn't, isn't here to bash me over the head, Zarya always really disagreed with me on the clone count issue, but like, when you're trying to play the tactical option, and your team does not have, if your team has even, you know, 0.99 KDR, or, or 1.01 KDR, but this the seven people you send to a point have 0.8 versus the seven people that they run into. If you lose a push, you lose like 7 to 14 to 20 to if you're really investing like 30 clones. Like, and that would be, you know, one fifth of your pool at maximum. So there, there was at least one game, and I'm kind of embarrassed by how I, how I let it because I was a bit of a dick, but like, well, not a dick, but I was a little bit of a, I should say, negative Nancy. We got to a point in the battle and we were fighting this thing out and we, we hadn't lost yet. We were in a bad position versus one team or another. And I looked at our clone count and it was it was a surprise to me. I looked at it and I was like, oh, we can't win. And it wasn't because like we couldn't possibly try something that would push the enemy team off a point and like maybe eke us out at victory. It was that anything that we could do that would do that would would lose us on clone count. And it wasn't like we were playing a really aggressive game either. Um, clone count really changed the flavor of how you have to play uh, Dust. Uh, at least the numbers that they gave us. Yeah, and I mean, you'd even have... Um, it would affect the meta at points too, where we had a PC match where, as it were, we lost a battle and our 
the clone count after the battle was like 16. It was like, why bother even showing up for the next fight? There's no way you can win with 16 clones. So it's like, it's pointless. You know, it, it, it was kind of bitter because it's like, we haven't lost the district, but we're going to, and there's nothing we can do about it. You know, you, there was no really, I don't know. I, I didn't like the fact that we had to skip a game because it was pointless. You know, you would go in for five minutes, lose your 16 clones and call it a day. Like it wasn't even worth showing up, which doesn't leave a very good taste in your mouth. Well, don't you always get like two clicks of production if you win? So like, I mean, it would still well, be lost. lost was the well. issue. We lost, oh, so it was like, oh, you yeah. So yeah. we didn't get production, yeah. and we had sixteen clones left. And you know, if that's the way they want to design it, where you're punished, I mean, you should be punished for losing. But there's a point. It was, it was like, like, why bother? You know, it effectively just it didn't make it an enjoyable experience because it was like, well, we didn't really lose the district, but you know, we did. Like, you know, I was a big proponent in PC of completely kind of gutting that approach where. You know, if if you're going to schedule a game, then it needs to be a good game. People need to, like, ultimately, like, the meta game is bullshit, you know? It's bullshit that some people are interested in, a lot of people aren't going to be interested in. Um, and in the meantime, it's, it's all a channel so that you can actually generate a fun match. Um, so if, if you've got these mechanics where, like, the match is not going to be fun for one side or the other, like, it might be hard, right? But, like, if it's not going to be at least baseline enjoyable, maybe, then then why why is anybody playing? You know, um, EVE kind of doesn't suffer the exact same problem because it wasn't as instanced. Like, if you don't want to turn up to a battle in EVE, you just don't turn up and you lose infrastructure, which is, like, alright. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what you know, you're making. But... As opposed to Dust, where it's like everybody kind of acts like you're going to turn up, and then it's like, of course, you're not going to turn up because you're not going to have, I don't know. Um, but yeah, like, it, I guess I hadn't, it was that match, and um, a couple of my guys really understandably took the piss out of me. Uh, they, they weren't super harsh, but they were like, you, you should have acted like it was fine. And I'm like, you're right, I should have acted like it was fine. Um, but it was that match that made me realize how much I um, structured how we played the game around that clone count, right? Because it's like, you, you're always somewhat aware of it. And I would tell people while we were playing, don't worry about, don't worry about the MCC, don't worry about the clone count, <laughs> let me worry about the clone count, right? Um, but the thing is, I would change what we were doing, you know? And in pubs, in pubs, this would be even worse sometimes, because it's like, if you want to make the heroic push out of your red line, then you're potentially just losing the match faster. Like, it's yet another reason not to try. You know? Like, you know? Yeah, like, it's a, it's, a, it's a definitely a mental block where it's like, well, I could, but what's the point? It's not going to pan out to anything. So you usually just kind of give up at that point. It's not, it's not fun. Battlefield did this. And they do this in Battlefield 1 even, more recently, where you they have a mode where the attackers have just a certain number of tickets every time, right? Um, every phase to try to take the phase. But the game is so much more frenetic, and it has so much momentum because of the spawning mechanics. I feel like they can tune that a lot more easily. It seems like it's faintly well-tuned from what I watched on a stream or two. Um, of people playing that game. 
because it would it always seemed like the attacking team if they won they would come close to losing on the number of tickets that they had but but they'd push through it or they they wouldn't they'd like lose one last push and and so it was kind of fine but but like i said the the reason was because you could fairly accurately predict sort of the burn rate per unit time in terms of tickets whereas in dust it's like retaking a point retaking a point is would be like 20 clones right that's that's kind of like your trade-off versus a competitive team hey pokey yeah did you actually get the comment about frame in your thing in what your shout out i did yeah i said i talked about frame did you? I didn't remember it. Okay, remember whatever. It. Yeah. Okay. No, I, I think Lether, and then I said, you know, talk about frame and, you know, congrats and hope you do well and all that. Yeah, they did. Okay, I probably, just, I probably just ignored it. That's fine. <laughs> ignored it. That's fine. You're just going to edit it out anyway, so. But yeah, Lether, I mean, the I think the the way that the, the wind conditions for battles could also probably use quite a bit of tuning, or the loss conditions for that matter. Um, yeah, I don't just think because they're going to bring it back. They're bring it back. <sighs> It always felt like they were really trying to push around this whole clone thing, but at the same time, it was like, eh, does that really make sense in the context, and does it provide good gameplay? Like, I don't know. I I, I like the fact that it didn't matter um, in other games where you you could bang your head against a wall if you were slowly whittling away at their defense because it was about taking the point, not about you know clone preservation. So right, I mean. You have this kind of very ancient warfare idea. So I read it in the Art of War. No, I'm not going to be that guy. Um, um, <laughs> it's totally wrong. Uh, yeah, of course, 100%. Sorry, but it is a really old technique, and it's just the hammer and anvil thing, right? Um, and the thing is, in Dust, it was very difficult as an attacker to, to, to create an anvil, right? Like, because the idea is that, you know, you sort of start throwing people in a particular direction and forcing your opponent to to reallocate forces at a particular location to stop the kind of frontal assault and maybe that frontal assault wins but it probably doesn't right not by itself and then you get to take whatever your other forces are and you get to you know have them be the hammer at some other flanking location um that's pretty standard Right, that was a really standard thing in Mag. Thing in Mag. Sure. Um, I guess one of the only more ed- kind of quote-unquote advanced tactics that you know sometimes popped up if you're having a real hard time cracking a team by just going left and right um, is that you know you you sent most people left and then you like crashed a team in APC into the middle left, <laughs> um, like of the bunker line. So you like lines run an APC. Mm-hmm down the middle, into a gate, it probably gets blown up pretty quickly, but everybody gets out in a squad and, like, takes the second to the left bunker, and suddenly, you know, this is the hammer, right? Um, and the people who are who are actually fighting the far left or the anvil uh, didn't happen too often, because it often wasn't necessary, right? Like, usually you could do well just by putting four squads on the left or whatever. Um, but this is something you couldn't really do it all in dust because if you if you sent people at a particular location even if heaven forbid like it was almost impossible to keep the momentum to even you know be a kind of anvil right like you couldn't just attack from a position and repeatedly 
throw waves of people from that position. It's very hard to do that. Um, even if you did, you would probably lose like uh, at least half as many clones as usual, if not twice as many, trying to do that. And and you're still only getting one objective. Yeah, I mean the 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 cost of failure for a push was was way too high, and it, it just it would cascade until a point where it was like, well, why bother? So yeah, on top of the mon- like the in-game monetary cost. monetary cost. Oh yeah, which is also crippling for people when it's like. <laughs> If they have a superior position, you're just trying to break in and throwing all your expensive stuff at it. I mean, I did vehicles, so I'd get blown up twice, and it's like, well, shit, I guess I'm in the hole for the next ten matches. You know, it was like, I don't really want to keep doing this right now because it's clearly not working. Yeah, like, and it would be this really depressing situation, right? Because it's like, you you don't want to take out your nice stuff because you're probably going to lose it, and it's not going to make you money on the match. And if you go in and you're crappy stuff then you're probably just going to die. And meanwhile, your opponents have probably slightly upgraded because they're in a very comfortable position. <laughs> like, Sure. I like, mean, once you're entrenched, you're good to go. I mean, that's how almost all the matches would play out. Yeah, I mean, at worst case, like, you know, your opponent suddenly from, like, you know, pulls off a miracle and pushes you back and you lose one protosuit. Right? Like, it, it hurts, but it's not the entire match. You can still, like, draw even. And meanwhile, you know, for most most people running proto suits yeah you've got you know a sweet sweet pcs grinding down in your pockets now that was a completely separate problem but but yeah like i sort of wonder <sighs> planet side 2 is probably a good game to look at and try to understand about this because they didn't use the um they didn't use the battlefield system and they they also had kind of apcs like mag but they didn't wholly devote themselves to the mag system i think that they had quite a lot of very um decent ideas about like they had like teleporter rooms and things that would get you inside of buildings and you could you know spawn outside teleporter rooms then go in and sink into the teleporter and things like that um they probably have a lot of really good ideas about how to manage i mean obviously large numbers of people yeah it'll certainly be interesting to see how it plays out i just hope that they avoid a lot of the pitfalls that the the dust had because i mean like i said before it's really core stuff that was causing serious issues and it wasn't something you could really fix without significant game overhaul and i just don't think they that can happen again because if it gets to that point they're likely not going to invest the resources to fix it if it if it's you know deeply fault flawed in the the game design so you know we'll see i mean it would i feel better if i knew what was going on but you know what can you do yeah whatever i mean like I just hope Bertotti, you like, I do hope that they have like a kind of top-down approach, right? When they come to the design a little bit, because you're right. Like we were talking about clone count. Clone count was absolutely a lore thing that someone threw in because it sounded cool. Like three, like, you know, three years before the actual game released. And there were so many things in the game that were just like, someone thought it was a cool idea when the whole thing was a tech demo. And then nobody really had the gumption to fix it. And I mean, it all tied back to the fact that they never, they never put a design team, an FPS design team, down on that game and said, "Let's make a cohesive design." They basically, yeah, in many like, ways basically were... like, they had this idea. They wanted this FPS in the Eve universe. They knew that you would fight, you know, um, over resources that you would have, um, you know, your gear consumed. Um, and have to purchase it. 
these were the sorts of things that they knew. And then they just kind of, you know, ran with it. it. It kind of even feels like Skirmish 2.0 was totally a placeholder game mode, right? Like, oh yeah, it was thrown in at that E3 build. It was, re- was a replacement for 1.0. You get the feeling that they threw out 1.0 because it was a technological nightmare. Um, Frankenstein monster. And uh, and it's like they, they were never able to kind of return and come up partially because of resource constraints and the way that that engine worked. They were never able to change it, right? right? And I think that their lack of experience with map design was also causing a lot of problems with, with Skirmish 1.0 is that they that the concept was sound. I mean, it was, it was like I said, effectively, you know, or very similar to Sabotage and Mag, but the map itself had its its fair share of issues, and I I don't think they had the confidence to actually properly balance a map like that, and so they just abandoned the whole idea and said, "Well, we'll just do kind of this quick nebulous. We'll we'll, we'll use the large socket as a map, and we'll just kind of Why scatter stuff around all the day." Because I meant to leave a while ago. <laughs> actually, you are. I'm, I'm, still, you are I'm still recording. Yes, so we could actually put this in. It could I be mean, the post show. At this point, yeah. I mean, it's sort of running on into. <laughs> Like who's gonna listen for the entire time frame? I, we can I, put just a, second, just a second listing that's like for people who really want to. Here's the do, rest of the, the show. Rest. Call, call it a post show. Post shows are very common to this room. Yeah, do it. You can always you can always like clip out like you can also do like the full the full masochist mode and just like clip out only the the particular map discussion. No, you gotta leave. <laughs> <laughs> I want to if you really want to make your brain hurt. Yeah, exactly. Hey, so when was Skirmish 1.0 and 1.5 in the game? Because I don't ever remember playing anything like was described uh, those games. Those early, games. early close okay. beta. Okay. Um, okay. It was okay. it was largely taken out, I think, due to the fact that your PS3 had like a 95% chance of hard freezing every time you tried playing it. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even really kidding. It was That's it was awesome. it was effectively every single time there were certain like if you got the biomass map, you were fucked. Like if you got if you got the oh, the, the communications, you'd be okay. Um, That's the big yeah, tower with the disc. Yeah, but if you got okay. the, like the, the communications, you're okay. But the biomask, good luck. As soon as the the mode got to stage two, and you went into that base, you were guaranteed to freeze before the end of the match. Like I didn't make isk. I didn't make. Well, this is this is back when the the beta had set times on only certain days. So you had like eight hours to play, oh, and you go in and freeze. Restart, go in, freeze. I'm like, my PS3 is going to die if I keep doing this. I'm like, I finally told him, I'm like, I, I want to keep testing your game, but it is literally unplayable. I oh can't my god, that's like, the, that's like the most dusty thing ever. Well, and, and that's that's the technical issues Leather was talking about. Is it the shit just <laughs> fell apart? Like it was bad. Um, well, like it, I under, like, I'm led to understand that it was like they had a moving MCC, and as we've been told later on, yes. it was it was a second transparent map layer and the actual map that you were playing on uh was moving underneath the mcc and that's how they and that's how they yes this is that, i didn't know that yes that's that's the the yes Wow. Yeah. I didn't know how much of that was CPM oh. knowledge only or what, but yes, I don't know it, it was a very broken game. That's, game that's, that's hilarious. Oh my <laughs> this, god. The MCC never moved the map did. <laughs> well, it was the two maps moving against each other, basically. It's really hacky. It's really oh, hacky. And that's why god. it was never coming back. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, so everyone was like, 
why why can't we do that again it's like and in fact, it's why the MCC then who cares <laughs> that's what they told people right the, i think that's oh eventually why soraya that it, it kind of got into i think the semi-public consciousness in terms of dust like at least the people who are keeping up with it because that was the answer that was why they weren't bringing that back like like Jesus. Um, um, I never knew. I had a friend. I had a friend who played the early beta a little bit, and uh, he really good friend. Uh, he's the person who got me into like you know getting a PS3 and playing Mag back in high school and whatever. And so he played a bit of his, and his favorite thing were the stairs. Um, and um, I say this. Sorry, say sorry this. to cut you off. With your, I actually have to go. I got people waiting for me, but feel free to continue. I'll I'll talk to you guys later. Yeah, Pokey. Good to you, Pokey. Stairs, and I gotta go. Yeah, yeah, that's probably a good place for me to to wrap it up. Um, so it was the stairs that were um that were his favorite part of the game, and the reason is because if you went into one of these bases on old Skirmish 1.0 maps and you ran up stairs, it's like it had to render a bunch of stuff. Like, if you went into, you know, a different level of the map, like in terms of Z-axis, I don't know why exactly, but if you ran up the stairs or downstairs, your your screen would freeze for like two seconds. It, w- it would just freeze. And then you'd come back and you'd be down the stairs or up the stairs. What the hell? And so, you know, there's always this trepidation, like, I think there's somebody down there. But I don't know if I want to go down the stairs right now. <laughs> oh, dust. <laughs> That's amazing. The game has always been fucked. Oh, yeah. On a technical absolutely. level. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, that math thing is... That's crazy. Like, is that just due to inexperience, you think? Or, like, that was the only way that they could make that work? I mean, probably both. You, you, <sighs> kind of have, to, you have to qualify, like... When you say inexperience, I mean inexperience is what led them to be using this really hacked together Unreal Engine 3 in the first place. Um, and that was probably, I don't know if that was the only way they could make it work. There was probably some way that they could have talked to some people and they could have figured out a way to make something like that happen um, without being so hacked together. But, like, Dust never had the dev time that it needed at the time that it needed it either so like oh it didn't i mean if you think about it right like so they okay. they were on unreal engine 3 but they were on pc right for a certain amount of time for a good amount of time oh to, to develop then, it right right okay. they, and they didn't know that they were going to be ps3 exclusive for a good long while um it became ps3 exclusive um they moved all their assets onto the ps3 and that was a pretty big task to get it to work, I think, even though it was still kind of transitioned in the engine. And that's about when we got our first glimpse at the uh, the closed beta, right? The very early closed beta stuff where we weren't even allowed to play every day of the week. Um, and at that point in time, it kind of felt like it was still in a state where they had put some stuff together so that you could play something. Yeah, like, that sounds okay. It wasn't like the game modes did not feel just like with Skirmish, you know, with this thing being like, yeah, we're, we're moving one map and another relative to each other. Um, it felt like this is kind of what we want. Let's make something so that we can put people in and test 
the guns and the equipment and other stuff, right? Okay. And then it's like they sort of slowly developed out of that. But at the end of the day, it's like since they didn't have a cohesive design that they knew they were designing towards, it felt like a lot of the stuff um, that that felt like a tech demo, right, never made it out. I mean, it slowly got to where it felt more cohesive. And by the end, it was, you know, it was a fairly cohesive game at the end. It felt like a, a commercial product, at least, up to being kind of buggy. But, um, yeah, it it's like, after Skirmish 1.0, they got to the new one at E3 of 2013 or 12? Two, 2013? Uh-huh, I'm on shipment. Can you remember, Soraya? Was it 2013 or 2012 that we were doing the closed beta? Uh, I can't remember for the life of me. It's been, yeah, it's been way too long. So it was one of these two years. And E3 of that year, they released a new build kind of presented at E3. And that's when they, they introduced the capture point, right? Um, oh, okay. So the skirmish that we play forevermore. Um, and even at that point, the game was still in closed beta. And it wouldn't go into open beta until. I think January like 20, of, uh, what, it 2014 been, or 2013? I think it was January 2013, now that you mention it, because 2014... Because open beta, they started yeah, putting it was codes in the PlayStation boxes, right? Yeah, it was definitely yeah, uh, yeah, It was okay. definitely 2013, so it was 2012 yeah. when the closed beta, the latter half of that. Um, yeah, that makes sense, because I remember playing uh, maybe a bit of Dust while the election was ongoing. Um, so, so they did that. And then you get through the end of the year, and through through the end of the year from E3, which was in like August or July or something. June. Yeah, there you go. So like that, the entire latter half of the year, they were trying to trying to t- fix the kind of back end to integrate it, right? To integrate with Eve, oh, with okay, tranquility. Okay, okay. So they were trying to tie up the loose ends with that. They were doing a certain amount of balancing, and then. I mean, you you were probably playing at some point near here because then, uh, kind of January of 2013, um, I believe the open beta starts, and uh, they're almost certainly starting work on uh, Uprising, right? They were designing Uprising for maybe four months, five months, something like that. And ultimately, it was just not enough time for, even for like, even if they'd been cohesive, and tried to do fewer features. They tried to put in a lot of features simultaneously and none of them got the work that they deserve. But even if they had fewer features, it's like they were basically trying to design the entire skill tree and the character tree, kind of redo most of the equipment, introduce a certain amount of new racial parity, um, introduce planetary conquest, change factional warfare, I don't know, man. They were just trying to do a lot of stuff, mm-hmm, and they yeah. did not have enough time to do it. Wow. <laughs> and then we kind of went on a roller coaster ride of whether they were investing resources or not. Right? Uh-huh. Like after Uprising, they were still theoretically supporting Dust, but they decided to move on to that schedule where they were updating more frequently to try to work out the um. Oh yeah, that's right. Where they were trying to work out all the technical bugs. Yeah, because they were going to have an update every oh, month shit, and a half. What it was. Like. Yeah, something like that. It's like every month or every month and a half. Yeah. 
and they were trying they were also really hopeful that they would be able to do stuff through um server-side patches mm-hmm. more frequently than they really were well, um, and like the thing was every time that they would release a you know a new patch every month and a half it would have new stuff <laughs> that just didn't work man so you're with active scanners on oh god maybe like the active scanners were put in and out of the game multiple times oh were they really and, yeah and the very first oh. time they went in they just absolutely didn't work and it, it's like you know kind of the, the eventual use pattern was that you would hit them and they would you know pulse once mm-hmm. and then go on recharge like when they originally put in you kind of would hold the trigger and it would animate the kind of prongs opening on the scanner and it you could hold it and so you know initially we all had the suspicion that you kind of need to go around holding the thing and like pointing towards but but it just didn't work oh it didn't work <laughs> which we all found out very quickly um, <laughs> but and and then it was i don't know if it was removed or if nobody used them until they finally fixed them anyway i wax eloquent the point is like you're right they kept on putting shit in the game people you know people on the eve side kind of said that the mistake was on the playstation 3. oh yeah absolutely um i don't know if that's true though i think the mistake was deciding to put it on the ps3 so late (laughs) (laughs) that and a lack of actually cohesive design like at some point if you watch the evolution of dust as like a project in ccp it's like they had this idea they made some trailers they spun up the shanghai team with ccc ccp pretoria and then lake jart i believe um were kind of the very two first people who looked into that maybe i'm forgetting someone it was definitely praetorian and someone else and uh it's like it started very small and it ramped up very slowly and because of this when they finally devoted resources to it 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 just was kind of a mess yeah and and then like when when it came out in 2014 the ps3 you know had what like a year and a half maybe left of of its life before they introduced the uh the ps4 right the game had come out in 2013 regardless whenever the game came out you know two years or a year and a half later the the ps4 was announced and released which i always thought was really silly because the they had trailers as you know as early as what 2009 right they had the 2009 trailer back when it was on pc wow so it had it had been on pc and then i mean what's clear is that they had negotiated with a bunch of different companies and sony had given them the best deal right Mm -hmm. like microsoft was pretty much impossible to get mmos on xbox 360 right because they they were really demanding about um how it would like subscriptions and microtransactions would work with um with uh, xbox live honestly so uh dust might seem like you know it was kind of a flop in and of itself but it really taught sony a lot about how to integrate microtransactions with the playstation network uh, and this was a big deal for them um because it was the first game that really um kind of comprehensively did that um but yeah like you're right they had they had trailers way back and and it was this transition from from pc to playstation also you're right inexperienced like if they've been able to write their own engine for playstation 3 
quickly enough, maybe, maybe they could have done it, right? But like trying to, to hack Unreal Engine 3 in a game that was really ambitious resource-wise, that, that was kind of really doomed to failure, I guess. Because if you look at MAG, right? MAG had 256 player paddles on the PlayStation 3. And you could put, it would lag a bit, but you could put all 100, 256 people in, in a location. People did it once or twice. It's not just like, you know, spread them all out or it, or it doesn't work. It didn't run perfectly, but you could put them all in place and continue playing. Um, and, I mean, they were constantly running into memory problems in, in MAG. Zipper would talk about this a lot. But they managed to do it. And the way they managed to do it was they had a homebrew engine um, to make it happen. Dust had not nearly as many players, but it had a lot more things to track, right? It had all these MMO elements that um, you kind of wanted to be able to bring up at will, you know, chat windows and things like that. Mm. And it's clear that the way that they managed to implement them was very expensive. I mean, you're probably aware, like, if you had a certain number of chats open, they would definitely cause lag. See, I heard that, but I never, and, and maybe it's just because I, I didn't know how to look for it, but I never in, in my memory, you know, noticed that, you know, the number of chats I had uh, made me lag. But like I said, maybe that's just because I didn't have the right number or, you know, a whole other number of reasons. Did you ever but I, I definitely heard that from, you know, obviously more than one person. Did you ever play on like a completely new character on a completely new account? Uh, not a completely new account, no. Yeah, I. You're right. I played on a new character that was on a new account even, and the game was just smoother. Like, <laughs> and I sort of wondered at the time, and still wonder, because you're right. It it was noticeable at that point, but it wasn't as noticeable for me to add chat um, or subtract chats. Mm -hmm. um, on my main character to a certain point. I mean, I kind of tried to keep them relatively low, but there were a certain number that I just w wasn't going to leave because I was part of Alliance leadership. Um, right, right. And uh, I, I kind of think that one of the things is that um, Corp Chat was not in delayed mode, you know? Uh, unless you were in, an, in delayed mode. Um, in terms the chat of channels were delayed? Um, when I say delayed mode, I mean, I should say like kind of semi-anonymous mode or whatever it is, right? Um, like if you had a chat channel go over a certain number of people, I'm pretty sure it wouldn't list all the people in the channel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what you mean. Um, unless they talked. And that's right. what it would do for the NPC corpse, right? They were all in that mode. So that channel would be in that mode. Local would be in that mode you'd have no alliance chat because you wouldn't be in an alliance on a new character. Um, and, and, you know, in match, you would have um, squad and team. Mm -hmm. So, huh. like, I sort of wonder if there wasn't some kind of threshold, because I swear, I played on a couple, like, a couple matches on, on new characters. Uh, at least once I did, you know, the kind of scum of the earth thing, um, where I went in as a new character and played in the newbie mode and, like, you know, gave my character a geck or whatever. <laughs> and it's not only that people were shit. They were. <laughs> it was like <laughs> the game ran really well, and I ran into at least one other guy who 
who was clearly doing the same thing. <laughs> um, and I don't know. I had a pokey kind of spoke to this. I always ran in standard gear in, in dust, in pubs. Mm-hmm. And I had a really shitty time <laughs> eventually. <laughs> like, yeah. Eventually the game got real unplayable for me. Um, I moved up to advanced eventually, and that alleviated some pain. But like, even then, the game had gotten too far gone. Because um, yes, everything that would you know kill you is fucking. Oh my god, it's another proto gun or another their proto suit or whatever. It's just eh. I could I could live. Like I'm really good in FPS games, but not dying. Um, <laughs> I wish I had that skill. <laughs> I mean, the flip side is, like, in a standard suit, my strategy is usually don't die for as long as possible and kill people whenever you can. I'm a mm-hmm. huge opportunist. Like, which, um, you know, is a particular playstyle, right? Like, it means that if I see shit and I'm like, that's disadvantageous in even the slightest way, I'm just like, fuck that. Um, although, like, also there's a certain amount of, like, just, you probably have this, and a lot of people have played a long time, have the reaction time to just be like, that guy shot me first. I'm going to die if I stand here. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and a lot of people don't seem to have that <laughs> in a lot of games where it's like you shoot them like three times, you know, at the beginning, and it's a fairly high time to kill game. And then they turn around and start trying to shoot you, and it's like, I will gladly sit here and let you shoot me if you let me shoot you because I will win, right? <laughs> Right, yeah. <laughs> that kind of shit would happen. Also, people seem to think that they're kind of invincible if they're like crouching behind something and only their head was visible. Anyway, completely <laughs> different discussion. Point is, like, that's how I would play. So I would stay alive in these standard suits faintly well. I just could kill nobody. It was almost impossible to kill people at some point. Because mm-hmm. it's like the guns did no fucking damage compared to people's health. And it didn't matter. It didn't matter how bad their reaction time was, because I couldn't sit there and tank anything either. So, yeah, right. so like a lot of my kills um, in a standard kind of in mag, for instance, right, come from me being able to predict people sticking their heads out of places, or like you know having slightly better tactical sense about when to like kind of jump or do something to throw off someone's aim or something like that. And uh, that style did not work with not having lethality because um, ultimately, like, all that shit is cute and all. But uh, if you don't just, like, if you can't down someone within a certain frame of time, then your cute little trick, like, amounted to the same as having face on firefight. Right, yeah. I don't know. I will, again, I... Wax eloquent, anyway. Stand, standard gear in pubs, and it was kind of laggy. That was the other thing. It was kind of laggy. Yeah. You know, I wish I had. I wish I had been like in a position to to play on the last couple days and play in like my best shit all the time. <laughs> Just pull out all the stops. Although everybody was doing that, right? Uh, yeah. But I think I was in yeah, the UK. No worry. That was last year, right? Uh, oh god, um, was it? No, was it was it this, it was this year? year? It was this year. Yeah, it hasn't been as long as I thought. It feels <laughs> seems like, like seems well, I like haven't it. I haven't played in a long time. Oh uh, yeah, like I didn't play since um 
reasonably probably the last time I played was somewhere in 20 I mean I probably played once in 2015 at some point uh, oh, times. damn so you missed out on all the all the fantastic updates <laughs> just on the, the fucking Myos and the, the war barge and all that fun shit <laughs> yeah I mean I played a few times after that stuff came in but not many oh, gotcha 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 yeah, I've forgotten. Yeah, after that shit came in, it, it got, everything got fucking worse every time I... Oh, no, it, it, it really did. It really did. Like, you had people running around in, um... Fucking officer. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fucking officer gear, man. And then yep. everybody was, a uh, You know, they introduced the trading, and, like... And everybody had it. <laughs> yeah, all the rich people, like, all the people who were really fat cats off of the PCs, um... You know, just had infinite numbers of fucking officer weapons. I played a couple times with um. There was this QSync that um, I think Kane Sparrow and his you know clique of people would run into factional warfare, and I played with them a couple times, and it was fun. You know, um, somewhat. A lot of times we would you know stomp out the enemy team and they'd all leave, um, <laughs> but like. What really frustrated me was, like, I was really pretty good at mag. Like, I was pretty fucking decent at mag. And that was, like, you know, it was my goal to improve my play, right? I don't really care, except that I would improve. But Dust was a constant story of me feeling like I was getting worse every time I fucking play. <laughs> it was one of the most frustrating day-to-day -day gameplay experiences I had. Oh, yeah. I, I still like there were good things about the game and it was like you know I had a lot of stuff with my alliance and you know a lot of stuff with pc and, and stuff like that i was pretty happy with the way things went but fucking day-to-day -day shit like going into a pub match when i played with those guys what was frustrating was it's like i would have a decent kdr because like i wouldn't die as much and i'd be able to kill people because i had support and everything right in my standard gear <laughs> um but i would never have anywhere near as many war points right and this frustrated me because you know you want to be like decently high on the board yeah yeah because you look down the bottom you see that guy only had like i think it got to a point where like what a thousand war points or 1500 war points was like man like i did nothing yeah like i would have i would have stuff like 13 and 2 kdr right mm -hmm. which is like which is good Right? It's good yeah. in terms of raw KDR, but like, and there'd be a guy, you know, but the guy in first place would have 25 and 4, mm -hmm. and and he'd have like a bajillion war points, and that was the thing. You're not in yes. proto here. Like, you can't even push consoles and shit. Yeah, or just throw down an uplink and get, was it like 25 points or something every time somebody spawn? Yeah. Just let that build up, throw it under fucking set the stairs and get the entire goddamn team stuck. That's what pissed me off the most, was people like that who would throw their links. Um, there was like one, it was that, that one bridge map. Uh, I can't think of the name of it. That was another thing. N nobody ever knew the name of those damn maps. I um, mean, was it Spine Crescent or was it not Spine Crescent? <laughs> I, see, I couldn't even tell you which one Spine Crescent was. Um, uh, I used to know these, but I've forgotten mm, them. Fuck. There's a tower... And then there's a bridge. I can describe the whole damn map. There's a tower, and then there's a bridge. And then if you went, if you're looking at the bridge, the tower would be behind you, and then behind the tower would be like um, 
It'd be like a... That ramp thing. Uh, was it a ramp? Well, was it, wasn't it that ramp thing and then there was like a void? It was just like a cliff. Yeah, that you couldn't jump yeah, off yeah, of or anything, yeah, yeah. but... You well, you could jump off of it, and then you like on the distance you could see like the fucking lag facility or whatever. But there would be a, a point there, and there was a bridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a cliff, right? Uh, you would go, you would go across the the main bridge though, and then there would be those. It would kind of dip down to the sides, and there would be those two stairwells uh, on either side. And go back behind the stairs, and people would throw their fucking links back there, and uh, it would look okay. That's a that's a, a decent looking spawn. But no, it would just be a, a clusterfuck, people getting stuck in there, and then you'd be making god knows how many war points just, you know, by fucking people over. Yeah, it's pretty fucking classic. And I mean, like, mm-hmm. eventually, uh, lodgies, you know, would be, like, it's not that they, like, everyone had this discussion, right? It's not that lodgies didn't deserve war points, it's just that, like, it eventually got to the point where logistics players were always going to have the like oh, yeah. highest war point total because yep. the repairing gave a lot. Which well, and and there was no cap on it on repairing either. You know, you could sit there and rep a guy that had you know a, a sentinel that had however many or uh, uh, hit points of armor, and you know you would just constantly get the. Was it like 25 per rep or something? You constantly get those 25 triage points and it wouldn't stop. Um, but then I think they introduced that thing where you got, you know, say a thousand war points from repping and then you would have to back off and wait a bit for it to, to reset, if you will, before it would start giving you points again. They had some kind of rate limit on the amount of war points you could get. Them. Yeah, whatever that rate was can't remember. I didn't experience it too much because I didn't do the logy thing, but that was to prevent the, um, I say that. There was also that deal where, like, were, were you around when, uh, the Goon Swarm people figured out that you could damage your own shit and repair it at one point in time and get I points? didn't know there were, I didn't know there were Goons and Eat and I, Dust, but, I no, was, I, I didn't well, know you could do that. It was, it was, uh... There are Goons everywhere. You just don't know it. <laughs> Well, I specifically remember Breakin maybe being involved with that. Oh, that's right. He's a goon, isn't he? Yeah, it was goon feet. That figured that yeah. out. Um, and uh, what they figured out at one point was that you could damage like a vehicle by running it into a wall, or you could just like jump off of a hill or something, and then people could repair you, and it would give you points. Oh, yeah. We, we would do that in factional warfare sometimes. Um we would uh we would have our heavy sit and then uh, i would start repping him and then the other guy would just would just shoot him and would give me it would give me points for it so yeah Maybe. what did they combine this with i think that it was that that there was uh what were the ways to get negative war points what it's like there was some way to lose war points or some shit like that i'm trying to remember how did you lose war off. points for team killing maybe yeah but they this Team killing wouldn't have been in the game at that point in time, so I can't remember exactly. But it was like what ended up happening was they figured out that the way that the um, the counter was working for the orbital strikes, it was saying when war point total crosses crosses this threshold, and they weren't really caring about whether you crush that threshold multiple times. So what they figured out was that you could somehow like lose war points by. I can't remember. It might have had something to do with vehicles. And then you could, you know, instantly regain them and it would give your squad 
another warp warp arch strike. What the hell? They patched this out pretty quickly. And <laughs> so you you could very quickly rack up like, you know, six or seven or eight strikes. Huh. And then drop them all. Yeah. It's pretty clever actually. Yeah, no, I didn't know you could lose more points. I didn't, I didn't hear about that negative thing at all. I can't remember. I remember this was the mechanic, but I can't remember how they lost more points. Oh, Wait. I think you could team kill people. Um, yeah, you and could. They patched- we, we, we did it in Faction Warfare. I know that much. Wow. I don't know if I can't remember if I lost war points for it, though. I don't think I did. I had forgotten about this. Actually, I think that what happened was you used to be able to, to team kill people by running a vehicle into them, but you had to get out right as you... <laughs> what? I think I'm remembering this right. Soraya, are you still here? Do you remember that? No. What, what, what are we talking about? I'm playing Call of Duty, man. I can't yeah, pay attention I can't. to that. <laughs> I, 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 I got it. I'm trying to remember, though. Was it that you were able to team kill people by... Um, Starting a vehicle with momentum, and then getting out of the vehicle. I, oh, d- I don't remember that at all. I seem to remember something like that. Like there was some way that they were losing war points. This is why Dust is the best game ever. <laughs> it was patched out exceedingly quickly. Yeah, I'm sure it was. After people got kind of suspicious. The things people think of. Dude, Hawk and Pete was a crazy man. Like, <laughs> was he? Um. He, he pretty much, he put together all of the pieces of the district logging shit. Like, I optimized one very small part of uh, what we were doing, but he, he had that shit figured out. Um, so if you recall how that shit worked, it's like, what you did was you launched an attack on your own district, and um, what would happen is, if you did not... Um, complete the battle nobody won the battle after um like an hour the kind of world server assumed that the battle like fizzled right like that it dropped like the battle server errored okay so it so it would uh award the defenders a victory i believe no it would refund everybody sorry it would refund everybody because it was just like, oh, everybody, everything fucked up. So I'm just going to refund everybody with their <laughs> clones and shit. Um, meanwhile, if you then, after the hour expired, completed the battle on one side or another, the results didn't count at all for the purposes of PC, right? But the battle server still had the authority to request funds to go to your wallet. So what you, so the process was. You attack your own district with a clone pack um, with, from an alternative corp. After about an hour, you know, 10 minutes to the hour, you go in and you hack a single, um, you hack a single objective. And at that point, you can actually just leave. You can, you can hack more if you want it to go faster. Um, I think the attacker is the one who did this. Um, maybe the defender, though. I don't know if it mattered. I think the attacker, because the defenders... Uh, the the attack the clone packs only had 120 at one point in time. Um, so what would happen is the game would the the world server would give you the money back from the clone pack, right? And you would instantly relock the district. You would put an attack on the district, so that was invulnerable. 
you would get production from the district because it, it, the defenders looked like they had won. So you would get clones off of it. And um, then the attacking character would, would win the match. And presumably only one person has gone into the match. And you win 16 million-esque or 15 million-esque or whatever it is. I think it was 16 million. Because that's the amount the clones were worth. Right? That it automatically, quote-unquote, destroyed. But those, none of those clones vanished from your district. Because according to the world server, that battle already fizzled. It doesn't fucking care. But the battle server has like the authority to request the 16 million-esque anyway. Um, and that's how that worked. So every time one of these things popped off, you would get, like every day you were getting the production, which was worth some amount or another, probably 8 million, right? So you're getting some millions every day. And then every, every other day you would have an actual attack and you would get another 16 million. And, and it, it wasn't hard. You just had to do these things at the right time. You didn't even have to stay in the battle. Hawken put all of the, pretty much all of this shit together. He, he learned about the clone pack thing from a particular person who had just happened to notice it where it gave the refund, right? And, and that was kind of the only public knowledge. There was another person who knew this, and it was uh, Killer12, because Killer12 was hosting those, um, those Thunderdome things, if you remember that. You know, I, I, I really didn't get too involved in PC at all. So this is this is really all new information to me. Oh, cool. Okay, so Killer was completely irrelevant, but he um he was hosting these events that he called Thunderdomes, and they were just like you know uh, a corp would say you can use my district for the Thunderdome, and he would attack it with a uh, clone pack, and then people would go in, go in and do stupid shit, right? Oh, okay. Um, they would have like LAV races and like you know. Uh, you know, one-on-one -on -one fights and stupid shit. Um, and he, what's funny, he's, he would always ask for donations to fund the <laughs> clone pack. But because of the nature of the thing, the battle never ended because nobody would have the points, right? Um, oh, so he'd be making bank. So he would have known that this shit. <laughs> I realized this after, like, like literally like seven months after, uh, or maybe three months after they fixed it, I realized, wait, Killer should have known about that. <laughs> I asked, I actually asked him about it, and he was like, yeah, yeah, I definitely did. So yeah, he was taking money from people and then getting ring funded for the clone. Nice. Um, what a fucking scamp. Anyway, um, <laughs> so that was that. But he didn't, he didn't understand, I think, the entire thing, because you had to put a lot of different pieces together on top of knowing that you would get the clone pack refunded to get the maximum return. You had to know that you were getting the clone pack refunded. You had to know the exact time that the um, district would come unlocked so that you could lock it back, which is one hour after the battle started. Um, and you had to, he, Hawken had to test, he had to go in and see what happened if one side won. And I guess he just tested that and thought to test it, which was a good, like, you know, really smart. By the end of it, he had all this shit figured out, you know, and he he must have had tons of this. I never did ask him exactly how much he made off of it, but he he was very um, aggressive with this tactic because only only Hawken and I knew, and essentially a few people from Rise of Legion 
knew about the entire process um, for a long time, for several months. And we reported it. And then we didn't do anything other than use it sparingly. Uh, I say that Hawken took a lot of districts for Mullen Law. I only took five districts for KVQ, which basically was just enough for us to continue fighting battles. Um, but Hawken had like, he had a fucking timer. <laughs> Every day he said he had an egg timer. And he would just, he was burning out locking these districts because he had so many of <laughs> And what was funny is, um, Everyone else thought that he was losing money because everybody knew you could lock districts, but they thought that you um, would lose money doing it, right? Because um, because they didn't know you were getting the clone pack money back, and they didn't know that you were getting extra money off of the district on top of that. So Ancient Exiles were really mad at him for a long time because they thought he was just losing money to fuck them. <laughs> but actually he was making bank for a long time. Anyways, yeah, that's the that's the story. Eventually, he told Satara Rout about it. Satara told pretty much everybody because he's a huge gossip, and we sort of knew that would happen. Um, and that's how it kind of made its way into the mainstream. Then, uh, then eventually, Ancient Exiles, I think, would do it, and Kane would get very mad about it, and he would finally, you know, go to the um the devs since Kane was a CPM member and get them to fix it. It took a like I like I said at the beginning of the cast, like CCP knew. I filed a bug report and I told Fox4 on IRC. Like and Hawk and Pete filed a bug report. A really detailed bug report. Well anyway, I should really be off. I've got some homework to do before tomorrow, so good talking to you, Bate and Surya with your uh Yep. It's, it's called fun, incidentally. It's still doing it for you. Yes, I'm having fun. But I'm playing like an eight-year-old version of COD, so... Well, I mean, that's probably... It's interesting, because Modern Warfare 1 was probably the only decent version of COD. And that's what I'm playing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I played... I got Modern Warfare 2 right before I got MAG. And I sold it so fast, I was still able to sell it for $40 on eBay. That's how quickly I knew it was... Killstreaks, man. Killstreaks are the fucking worst. Anyway, I'm out. See you guys.